0: Hello and welcome to the final Sweden in Focus of 2022. In this episode pre-recorded on December 21st, we're going to look ahead to 2023 and talk about what's in store from a news perspective as, for example, Sweden takes over the EU presidency, the Centre Party gets a new leader, Sweden is expected to finally join NATO and the King celebrates 50 years on the throne. I'm Paul O'Mani, and I'm joined by James Savage, Richard Orange and Becky Waterton. And just like last week, we're recording away from the studio because of all the viruses going around.
2: I am feeling very, very end of 2022, actually. I'm, I'm, I've, you know, that feeling where you've sort of, it's, it's in the middle of the winter and you're kind of ripe for rebirth. I don't know, I feel it's I feel it feels very end of year <laughs> to me in the grey, misty Malmo.
0: That's Richard Orange there, ripe for rebirth.
3: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> His comeback album.
0: Any reflections on twenty twenty two before we put our prediction caps on?
4: I mean if you looked outside the window, it was a bit crap, wasn't it? I mean, you know, war and nastiness and inflation.
2: In Swedish terms, I, I slightly feel being a bit boring going on about the politics. It feels like it, it, it's sort of lancing a boil to an extent. There's been this thing hovering in the background, you know, how to deal with immigration and people's disquiet about it. It does kind of feel like, OK, well, now that's done. Let's see how this works out and then we'll be, hopefully be past it and Sweden can move on.
4: Yeah, absolutely. But also the NATO thing, it's been increasingly anomalous for sweden to be outside nato since sweden went into the uh, european union really in the 90s it's been part of that european political community but it's been outside the defense community and now it's going into nato probably and it sort of feels like they're closing a circle there so it's interesting
0: So last week, uh, Becky wrote an article on everything that changes in Sweden in 2023. And we'll put a link to the article in the show notes because it's a very helpful piece that's worth bookmarking for future reference. And we're going to focus on four news events in particular, as I mentioned in the intro. But let's look very, very briefly at what else is in there. So James, can you kick us off?
4: Well, the economy is expected to shrink slightly by 0.1%. That's not too bad, but it's obviously not great. It's not growth. It's a recession. Also, Sweden's electricity subsidy is expected to be paid out to homeowners in February, which is something that a lot of homeowners are waiting anxiously for as their electricity bills go through the roof.
2: Uh, Sweden's new budget is going to come into force. It was a very cautious kind of non- expansive budget. Also, the reform of Sweden's system of coordination numbers is expected to come into effect by the end of the year in September the 1st, 2023, which might, if everything goes right, mean that Bank ID will become available to people who don't yet have personal numbers. So that that could be a good thing.
3: Kind of on the topic of work permits... There's kind of an ongoing investigation into introducing labour market testing, which we've discussed before, which would affect labour migrants from non-EU countries. And the deadline for that investigation is July the 31st next year. And another kind of migration, immigration-related thing is that the migration agency has said that they expect to be able to make decisions on citizenship applications within six months at some point in 2023. So for those of you who either have just applied for citizenship or are going to become eligible within 2023, you might get a response to your application within six months next year so that would be nice if everything goes to plan there but um no promises on this front at least
0: Great. Thank you all for that roundup. Now, Annie Love uh, announced her resignation as leader of the Centre Party after the September election. After more than 11 years in the role, the party is meeting on the 2nd of February to choose her successor. Who is likely to be chosen as the new Centre Party leader? And why does it matter, James?
4: It matters because the Centre Party, in a sense, holds the balance of power. Now, if the Centre Party were to choose, for example, to support The centre right government, then that would give that government a much stronger mandate and a a much greater flexibility. And you know, and and conversely, if if the social democrats were to lose the support of the centre party, then that would make it much much harder for them to form a government in the immediate or the in 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 the medium term. Now, it doesn't look like that is a massive debate right now within the centre party. It sounds like most, well, all the candidates are saying that they were not going to make any immediate changes to to the party's orientation. Who's it going to be? Well, we do not know yet. And it's it's quite hard to predict. There are three candidates. Of these three candidates, there's one that it's now looking increasingly likely that it won't be. The one that it probably won't be is Daniel Beckstrom. And the two that would then remain are uh, Muharram Demirok and... Elizabeth uh, Tandvinqvist. The reason it won't be Daniel Beckström, who is the group leader in Parliament and the rural affairs spokesman, is that it became apparent in a a Q&A with party members that he was not personally liberal on LGBTQ issues. He couldn't say whether he would hypothetically agree to officiate at a same-sex wedding. Okay. politicians tend to officiate at same-sex weddings, it's, or at weddings, it's, it's, it's one of the things that politicians in Sweden sometimes do. But he said he, he, he couldn't say whether he would officiate at a same-sex wedding. He also couldn't say whether he would stand at the front of a pride parade. And this this relates to the fact that he's a member of a conservative-minded evangelical church. This goes against the centre party's kind of liberal centrist philosophy. That leaves Elisabeth Tandringqvist. She is new as an MP, but was formerly a mckinsey mckinsey for the, the, the big consulting firm. She worked there for many years. She then also worked for former party leader Mordorlofsson when she was business minister as her state secretary, so her, her closest aide. So she's been in the machinery of government for before. She's also a bit of a mover and shaker. She's been head of the Swedish um, Venture Capital Association and worked in business for, for many years. She's a favourite. She's one of the two favourites, I would say now. And she was one of the people who was, before she came into parliament, was really tipped to be the leader. But she's now been accused of a dirty tricks campaign against Bechstrom, and some people say that she lacks the experience that mm. um, that Muharram Demiruk has. And so he's the, he's the next candidate who is looking quite strong. He's got a respectable background as deputy mayor of Lynn Sherping and perhaps a str- stronger political experience than Elizabeth Tan Rinkrist. But it then transpired just a couple of days before we recorded this podcast that he has two old convictions from a, for assault from the 1990s. And so that is looking like it might be an albatross around his neck.
0: None of them have clean flour in their bag, as the Swedish uh,
4: phrase goes. None of them have completely clean flour in their bag. So it looks it looks kind of quite hard to predict right now. So if you want a prediction on who's going to lead the centre party, I'm going to have to pass.
2: Doesn't it look quite bad for the party in a way? Because none of them really do what, from an outsider, you think the party needs, which is to kind of reconnect with, with its Root mm. as a, as, a, as a rural party. I mean, Elizabeth Tanrincust is as urban and as as it gets. I mean, she's she's miles from from the kind of rural voters. And and Mahram Demirok is Turkish, which probably may, maybe w- would lose them some rural voters as well. So I just don't see who they've got who'd be any good. And Daniel Beckstrom, who is the rural candidate, has lots of problems. And and when they've had these kind of stump speeches, he he hasn't really impressed. So I just it, it, it seemed none of them seemed like an ideal candidate to me.
4: No. Um... <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, uh, I, th- I think, you know, Elizabeth Tannengrist would say that she's from Jentland. That's proper centre-party countryside. But her image is as someone that very, she's very, you know, very urban, very part of the Stockholm business scene. So she doesn't exude agrarian values. Maharam um, Demirok, he's from the um, from the suburbs of Stockholm, uh, you know, brought up in an immigrant area, but he's, he's, he's born in Sweden. And perhaps his provincial credentials are burnished somewhat by him being involved mm-hmm. in local politics mm. in a middle-sized city, but it's still a city. So, so yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it, there's no obvious candidate with, with, with real strong, unimpeachable agrarian credentials. But, you know, the Centre Party has come a long way since it was an agrarian party and it's lost big time in the countryside. And the, and the question is whether it's going to double down on trying to win centrist voters regardless of where they are in the country and perhaps that's what they think it needs to do
0: mm-hmm. and can we say with any certainty what side they're going to choose in swedish politics
4: no I, I i can't see them in the immediate term abandoning their opposition to working with the sweden democrats
3: well i think all three of the candidates haven't all three of the candidates said that they're going to kind of follow the annular line of not working with the sweden democrats
4: that is what that is what they've yeah. said and 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 so you say there'll be no immediate changes but but the thing about politics is that it's all about events and it's all about you know what happens in the future and and so you know you can never guarantee how they're going to act three or four years down the road which you know we've seen many times before annie love once promised that she was never going to work with the social democrats but she changed her mind when she went when when it turned out she had no no other choice or whether she was forced to make a choice between two, between two unpalatable options so Never rule it out. As Johann
3: Parson person famously said, you say one thing before the election and then the election happens and you say something else after the election.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's at, least, at least he's honest and transparent.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
0: Sweden takes over the presidency of the Council of the European Union from the Czech Republic on the 1st of January in a six-month role ending on the 23rd of June. What are Sweden's goals for the EU presidency, Richard?
2: Well, the the, the motto of the Swedish presidency is greener, safer and more free. And so there's a a big focus when Ulf Christensen held a press conference last week, he kind of slightly downplayed the greener side of that, and he said the priority was maintaining unity in Europe in the face of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Which, let's face it, anything could happen next year. I mean, could, we could easily see surprises. So Sweden will then have to respond to that, and, and he said Sweden would help the, the EU act resolutely and maybe help drive through new sanctions packages or new support packages for Ukraine, and crucially try and fight any efforts from Russia to split EU countries over sanctions and support and, yeah. and such like thing. In terms of stuff that's actually on the agenda, the big thing is the unfinished negotiations over the EU's so-called Fit for 55 climate package, which is measures designed to help the European Union members become carbon neutral. A big part of that, which is it's several big elements of that, the Renewable Energy Directive and the Energy Efficiency Directive have still to be negotiated. So Sweden will be in a position to kind of lead those negotiations. And one thing I found really interesting, actually, is the EU minister, Jessica Roswell, was on the Swedish uh, radio Sunday interview, to so this long interview they have. And she she was saying that Sweden... The, there's a kind of pluses and minuses of being the president of the EU. On the negative side, you can't really drive your own interests as hard because you have to come across as a sort of impartial person leading the negotiations. So she said you might have to leave some issues like forestry, for instance, to mm-hmm. Sweden's allies. So, you know, say Finland, you have to hold our corner on this. But she said that in the long run, it's good for Sweden because if you do a good job as a EU president, you get a lot of goodwill within the European Union, which then helps you in the years to come, so she, she sort of said, yeah. You know, we, we we will have to, you do have to kind of sacrifice some of your interests and not or at least not drive them as hard. So, that, that, I thought that was interesting. It'd be interesting to see how they handle it.
0: Thanks for that, Richard. Ever since the four of us um, started doing this podcast in March, we've been talking about NATO. First, it was the question of whether Sweden would apply to join, and now it's a matter of when it's actually going to happen. Will Sweden finally join NATO next year, Becky?
3: I feel like I should just say that we have moved next door to a church which is currently ringing its bells at the moment. Anyway, on the topic of NATO, um, it's, you know, you can't, obviously you can't say for certain if we're going to join or not. It's kind of hard to say. Hungary and Turkey still need to approve Sweden's application. Hungary has said they're going to do so next year. Turkey have been kind of having these holdouts for uh, for a few months now. A couple of key dates to look look out for here are July the 11th to 12th, where there's going to be a NATO summit in Vilnius in Lithuania, and June the 18th, which is the date of Turkey's general election. So Turkey's general election is relevant as it is possible that their president, Erdogan, will hold out on approving Sweden's NATO application until after this date. Uh, in order to get kind of as many concessions as possible mm. from Sweden on kind of extradition of PKK members, bolster his ratings at home, that kind of thing. And then obviously after the election, any kind of political point scoring from withholding Sweden's NATO application will be less relevant. So the hope is that Turkey, after the election, that, you know, they might hold out until the election, but then after the election, they'll be more inclined to approve Sweden's NATO application because there won't really be that much to win from it anymore. So my personal kind of belief is that it's likely Sweden will join next year. But I wouldn't be surprised until Erdogan waits until after the Turkish election in June to approve Sweden's NATO application. I don't know if you guys agree with that kind of assessment of the situation.
1: Yeah,
4: I think that's a reasonable assessment of the situation. I mean, it, it might be that he'll approve it before then, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be highly surprising if he held out.
0: Thank you for that. Uh, King Carl XVI Gustav celebrates 50 years on the throne in 2023. Uh, James, uh, you know all about this kind of thing. What royal delights await us next year?
4: (laughs) Well, it's not only the 50th anniversary of King Carl XVI Gustav's accession to the throne. By the way, he is now Sweden's longest reigning monarch of all time. Uh, Oh, really? But he is. Indeed, so it's quite—it's quite a bit. I mean, he's—he's—he's he's, he's already passed that milestone, but you know, it's quite a big deal. Fifty years on the throne—first time that a Swedish monarch has got that far. It's also the 500th anniversary of Gustav Vasa being elected king of Sweden, and in some ways that marks the founding of the modern nation state of Sweden. Before that, it was a much more sort of a loosely united state. So. It's being marked by banquets at the palace for people who've contributed to society and from around the country. So people are being invited there by county governors. They're they're, they're nominating people from their counties who they think have um, contributed to Swedish society. And the king and queen are going to visit every county in Sweden. And then on the 6th of June, there's going to be a big commemoration of the 500th anniversary of Gustav Vasa with a large and unusual celebration at Skansen. It's Sweden's national day. They have a celebration every year but it's going to be an even bigger one than usual and a big reception at nordiska Museum, Museum. but for the public so for anyone who's listening who is who wants to participate the big date for the diary is the 15th and 16th of september in, in the autumn so in stockholm there will be a whole series of events culminating in a big carriage procession through stockholm which will end with a big concert outside the palace so we don't know who's going to perform yet but sweden has a lot of big pop stars and and, um, and other musical stars so you could probably expect some big names in a big public concert and it will probably be televised as well so watch this space
3: i wonder if we will see any dancing queens
4: <laughs> well of course that is the big question i think it's probably unlikely that abba will perform they um they've been people have been trying to make them perform and reform for many many years and they are a bit long in the tooth now but
3: maybe a you know, hologram you never know if <laughs>
4: Maybe a hologram, maybe, maybe they, you know, they, you, you might see one or more of them on the stage, but perhaps not all of them together.
3: Benny and or Björn.
4: Benny and or Björn, probably not Agnetha or Anifried, would be my guess, but you never know.
0: That's all for this week and indeed for this year. Thank you very much for listening and Happy New Year to you all. We're going to take a week off now, but we'll be back on the 14th of January. Our panellists this week were James Savage, Becky Waterton and Richard Orange. Our sound engineer is Rhys Edwards. I'm Paul Amani. Until next time, take care.